0: Welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. Today we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke called How It All Began. There are lots of people who claim Jesus as a mascot for their cause, but they've imagined him on their own terms rather than taking him on his. This series looks at the earliest days of Jesus' public ministry to better understand the true heart of his life and message. Today we're looking at those times when God feels like the enemy. Now, if you're one of those people who've lived a relatively problem-free life, it may be hard for you to realize just how painful the suffering can be for others. The 2008 hit, Slumdog Millionaire, gives a picture of the suffering that some people face. Tells the story of 18-year-old Jamal who grew up in the slums of Mumbai and went on to win the Indian version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He recounts his story in an interrogation, as the police suspect him of cheating to win the contest. He's faced heartbreaking poverty, hardship, and loss. But he loves a childhood friend named Latika, who has suffered even more. While Jamal and his brother have had to support themselves washing dishes and picking pockets, Latika has been captured by a gangster and forced into prostitution. She's been abused and treated as worthless. In the last scene, against impossible odds, Jamal and Latika finally reunite. As he pulls back the long scarf that covers her face, he sees the ugly scar that remains after she was slashed with a knife by one of her abusers. She looks down in shame, but Jamal lifts her face and kisses her scar. The film went on to win eight Oscars and countless other awards, but the genius of the story lies in the hope of a love that can reach into our suffering and pain. It's the power of a love that will kiss the scars that make others turn away. In a sense, the movie asks whether that kind of love might really exist, and if it did, could it heal the scars in our lives or at least transform the role that they play? Today's passage deals with the same questions. It challenges us to rethink the way we view our suffering when it feels like God's the enemy. And it helps us to see our scars in a new light. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Chapter 5, verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, you can click on the link for today's passage in the description below. Luke 5, verses 12 to 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of God. The first point I'd like you to consider is that maybe your scars aren't proof that God's against you after all? Maybe he's your ally in your suffering, not your abuser. Maybe he's the one trying to help you, not the one causing your hurt. Maybe your scars aren't proof that God's against you after all. The passage begins by introducing a man whose life was every bit as tragic as Jamal and Latika's. Today, it's estimated that two to three million people suffer from leprosy, or more technically, Hansen's disease. While it can be cured with antibiotics, if left untreated, it can cause loss of feeling in the limbs, crippling of hands and feet, chronic sores, and even blindness. And the social stigma can be even worse than the physical symptoms. The reason that the word leprosy isn't used anymore is that the word in the Bible is much broader and covers a whole range of skin disorders, including Hansen's disease, but also psoriasis, lupus, ringworm, and other conditions. The greater suffering in biblical times came from the shame associated with the diagnosis. Leviticus 13 commands that a leprous person had to dress as if in mourning, with torn clothes and disheveled hair. They had to live in isolation outside of towns and cities, and they had to shout unclean as any uh, any people would approach. And many people would live like this all their lives. If you thought it was a hardship to quarantine for 14 days after your trip to Florida last year, this was on a whole different level. They were cut off from people, cut off from family, and cut off from worship. Now, it was to protect other people's health and to guard the community's ritual purity, but many lepers couldn't help but think that God was against them. With that as a background, verse 12 takes on a different significance. This man doesn't have leprosy. Luke describes him as full of leprosy. He's likely covered with sores from head to toe. If it was Hansen's disease, the incubation period is about five years. So to reach such a severe state, this man has suffered for a very long time. Despite that, Luke says that he was in one of the cities. (laughs) Now, someone this sick didn't just wander around Hillcrest Mall. He's supposed to live under lockdown, but he's come in search of Jesus. He's heard the good news that he preached. He's heard the people that he's healed. And he begins to think Jesus might be the solution, not the problem. When he sees Jesus, it says that he fell on, on his face and begged him. He doesn't shake his fist at him. He doesn't yell, your talk of good news is cheap. God's never done anything good for me. He comes in humility. He recognizes Jesus's authority. And he says simply, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It's an incredible statement of faith. There's no question in his mind Jesus can heal what no one else has been able to. He's confident in Jesus's power, but he also seems to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. He's embraced the fact that Jesus's plan is good, even though his own life has been so hard. When he says, if you will, it sounds a little like Jesus's prayer in the garden. In Matthew 26, 39, Jesus prays, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prayed this prayer repeatedly and with such desperation that his sweat was like drops of blood. But he trusted that the Father's will was good, even if it was painful. For the leper to approach Jesus with this same heart, shows that he's come to accept that however he responds, Jesus is on his side. He trusts that Jesus' plan is good. Even if it means continuing to live with his condition unchanged, Jesus can be trusted. And that's why it was so crucial that people heard Jesus' message rather than just come for his healing. And the same is true today. Often in our suffering, we can just keep asking God to take away the pain. But because we don't lean into his teachings, we can't see the ways that God might be using the pain. We can't see that there might be good purposes beyond God just taking it all away. Do you have that confidence? Do you see Jesus as a solution or part of the problem? Maybe your scars aren't proof that God's against you after all. Now, next, let's consider how Jesus' touch heals the scar. He sees the pain and suffering in our lives, and he ministers to us in the midst of it. His touch heals our scars. And we've already said that it took faith and courage for the leper to approach Jesus and address him the way that he did. Even today, when many of us are feeling considerably more relaxed than people did at the height of the pandemic, If someone steps onto a crowded subway and they're coughing and hacking and sweating with a runny nose, most people are looking for the exit. If that person sat down next to you, got in your face and asked you a question, you might not give them a very warm reception. In the first century, it was worse because the consequences of infection were greater and the contamination of ritual impurity was certain. How would Jesus take this? Verse 13 is shocking. It says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, this is the equivalent of giving a big bear hug and a big kiss to Mr. COVID on the subway. It seems a little reckless. Mark's gospel adds the words, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, Jesus had to touch him in order for the healing to work. Jesus often healed people with a word, and sometimes he healed people who were in a completely different area altogether. The touch was completely unnecessary for the physical healing, but for the leper, it meant everything. He probably couldn't remember the last time someone held him. I think we felt this this during the pandemic because we've been keeping our distance from each other more. Researchers have even studied the impact of touch in professional basketball. They've found that teams whose players do more high fives and chest bumps and head slaps and team huddles are actually more successful than the teams that don't. We need touch. Jesus wants the leper to feel his love and compassion with a touch for the same reason that Jamal kissed Latika's scar before he kissed her lips. As he did, he said simply, I will be clean. And with that, immediately the leprosy left him. Now, Jesus' miracle accomplished several things. First of all, he physically healed him. The man's leprosy was gone. This would have been an unforgettable event in his life and in the lives of all who witnessed it. Secondly, the physical healing also illustrated what Jesus came to do. Did you notice that Jesus doesn't say, be healed? In verse 13, he says instead, be clean. Jesus healed people's bodies to prove he has the power to heal our soul. He has the power to cleanse our sins. And that's really a greater sickness. Most religions teach this. Be clean and God will embrace you. Christianity says the opposite. It teaches If Jesus embraces you, you will be clean. Religion says, keep the rules, live the life, follow the commands, and God will accept you. Christianity says, receive the grace of God through faith, and he'll change you and purify you and give you strength to walk in his ways. Religion says, change, and God will receive you. Christianity says, receive Jesus, and he'll change you. Have you grasped that distinction? Now, Jesus' healing accomplished one other thing, and we need Slumdog Millionaire to help us to see what it is. Tell me this, why was everybody's favorite movie in 2008 about the love story between two people who struggled with poverty, abuse, injustice, shame, violence, and prejudice? Would it have been just as popular if it featured a couple of healthy middle-class suburban young adults who had good grades and promising careers? Absolutely not. Do you know why? I realize there are lots of reasons, but one of the biggest is this. Without the scar or the shame or the poverty or the past, we'd never really see what Jamal's love was really all about. Maybe he just thought she was cute Maybe it was just a crush. It's only as he experiences fame that he had never known and riches that he had never had and has the opportunity to turn his affections to anyone that the depth of his love for Latica is brought out. And he had to see the scar before he kissed her for us to feel that. Here, here's where this relates to Jesus. I know that all of us wished we lived in a world Where there was no leprosy or injustice or abuse or shame and yes god could eliminate it but that would also mean eliminating all of us because the sickness of sin is in all of our hearts instead god redeems the evil of this world for the good of those who love him he uses it to strengthen us shape us purify us and deepen our faith but he also uses it to show us the depths of his love that leper experienced Jesus' love in a deeper, more personal way than he ever could have without the suffering. And it's against the backdrop of human sin and its brokenness that we can know God's love in a deeper and more meaningful way than we ever could have without it. Jesus is the Savior who kisses the scar. Now, that still doesn't mean that Jesus eradicated leprosy. The disease still exists today, as do lots of others. But Jesus' healing is confirmation of his love and his message, and it's a foretaste of the eternity that he's prepared for all who receive him. Now, many people don't feel the force of this because they've borrowed from Christianity's worldview without trusting in its Savior. So people say things like, when we die, I think we all go to a better place. And I want to ask, do you think you'll bring our, our cancer along with us? Should I expect to have a facial deformity for eternity? And will people still treat one another with prejudice and injustice and abuse? Of course, people assume that they won't. But the only way that they would be, that would be possible would be if there was someone who could heal us, someone who could purify us, someone who could save us. Most people act like they don't need such a person, but their view of heaven is literally impossible without him. Jesus healed this leper not to show that he's going to heal everyone's sicknesses in this life, but to show his compassion, to show his love, and to prove that he'll heal us, body and soul, in the life to come if we put our trust in him as our Savior. Have you done that? Have you put your hope in him and what he promises to do? So far we've seen your scars aren't proof that God's against you. Jesus' touch can heal your scar. But finally, let's consider how Jesus wants to do more than heal your scar. There's something deeper than comfort and mercy that he can do in our lives. Jesus wants to do more than heal the scar. Now, let me explain why I say that. When you get to the end of verse 13, the leprosy is gone. But what Jesus says next is strange. In verse 14, he says, And he charged him not to tell anyone. If you want to start a healing ministry, that's not the way to do it, right? If that was Jesus' goal, he would have said, go find as many sick people as you can and all the lepers you know, and I'll heal as many as I can before I have to leave. That wasn't Jesus' mission. He wanted to do more than that. So watch what he says at the end of verse 14. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Now, Jesus has loved the leper. He's shown compassion to the leper. He's healed the leper. And Jesus has declared him to be clean. But now he calls him to take steps toward a new life of grateful obedience. He sends him to the priest and tells him to make an offering for his cleansing. He's never gone to a priest since he was declared unclean. For a long time, he's considered the temple bitterly. Is that place that I'm excluded from. Now, Jesus says, you need to see it as a place where you express your gratefulness. Make a habit of worshiping with God's people again. Notice also that he says, make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded. Now, if you're left out of worship, left out of the temple, left out of the regular life of God's people you start making your own rules and your own decisions. It had probably been a long time since this leper had thought about what Moses commanded. It had been a long time since he had read the Bible or thought about its teachings. Now Jesus says it's time for that to change. It's time to start living in obedience to the scripture's teachings. And then finally, after telling him to go and show himself to the priest, Jesus says at the very end of the verse, For a proof to them. The word proof here is usually translated as testimony or witness. That's surprising because he's just charged him not to tell anyone. But notice the difference. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to gather together as many sick people as you can and tell them to hunt me down for healing service. That's not really the mission. But I do want you to show yourself to the priests. Tell them how full your leprosy was before, and let them see how thoroughly and completely healed you are now. Because I want them to believe. I want them to see that I truly am the Savior I claim to be. In fact, that's the message I want everyone to hear. Have you heard that message? If you haven't, Jesus wants you to know that he's not the problem. He's the solution. He's not against you. He's for you. His goal isn't to condemn you, but to save you. So put your trust in him. He's the savior who kisses the scar. He's the one who will heal your uncleanness with a touch. And if you put your faith in him, when you pass from this life into the next, he'll heal everything else about you as well. If you've received that message, Give yourself to a life of grateful obedience. Get connected with God's people. Make worship a priority and fellowship a priority in your life. Get into the habit of reading and reflecting on the scriptures. Make obedience to the Word of God your default setting. And offer up your life and your words as a witness to others. Tell them what Jesus has done in your life. Because you can't experience that kind of love and not want to share it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we ask your forgiveness. Too often we've assumed that you're against us. We've assumed that you're the problem. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world to show us that you're the God of great love and compassion. You've sent Jesus for our cleansing and ultimately for our healing. Help us to look to him, to trust in him. Help us to receive the great gift of his healing love, of his cleansing love. Help us to receive it by faith and having received it to respond in gratefulness, to respond in devotion, to respond in fellowship and witness, and to respond in obedience to the Word of God. Be glorified in our midst, Father, for we ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I hope this message has helped you to see how Jesus is the solution, not the problem, and how he can heal the scars that weigh us down and undo the uncleanness that defiles us within. If it stirred up questions or you'd like to know more about a relationship with Jesus, send me an email or leave a comment below. If you think this is a message that others need to hear, share the link and help spread the word. And as always, for more messages of hope, visit gracebc.ca. God bless and see you next time.